Hey friends, welcome back to With a Splash of Jesus. I'm your host, Jordan. We are back for another great conversation. This week, we have Sheila Dodd. Sheila is a lead project manager for Bloom Growth, fractional integrator for Smart Partners Incorporated, and event director for the Visionary Forum. On the FIM leadership team and having been run on EOS since 2017. Passionate about mentoring and educating the next generation of leaders and a proud mom and a grandma. Sheila was my college mentor and has been part of our family for about 10 years now. And so I'm so excited for you guys to hear all the value that Sheila brings to the workplace. Here's this week's conversation with Sheila Dodd. friends, we are here with Sheila Dodd. Sheila is talking about our relationship series. And this week, we're going to be talking about relationships in the workplace. So let's get started. What are you currently reading in the Bible? I am currently reading John 16 is what I'm on today. What is God teaching you in that? The uh, About the work of the Holy Spirit and that Jesus left so we could have Holy Spirit. So one of my life passions is teaching others how to hear from, from him. And he says really clearly that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. And he delights in sharing his heart with us and for others. And it also speaks to turning sadness into joy. So like the sadness of Jesus is going to go, you know, be with his father and he's going to leave the Holy Spirit with us. And I was like, well, heck yeah, please. Thank you. (laughs) And he is so mega in the respect of turning sadness into joy. He's He's turning my story that used to be very sad in a lot of ways. Great in some ways, but sad in other ways into complete joy. And I'm absolutely loving. And I love John, period. I'm reading through it really mega slow. So we really want to soak in because his heart with Jesus and being so close to him. I want to catch what he's actually, what his heart's saying in it. Yeah. The gospels are so important to learn from. Like it's the life of Jesus and what better model for us to imitate. What is currently on your nightstand? My Bible, of course. The power of communion and because I've been taking daily communion every day and dream manager, strengthen yourself in the Lord, the coaching habit, ruthless elimination of hurry, lead now, my work journal, my personal journal and Atlas of the Heart. What is something you are so passionate about that you can't stop talking about it? Daily communion. Tell us about this daily communion. I think I'm probably around day 230 right now of of taking it almost every day. And I'm experiencing Jesus through different, different aspects. So one of the things he was revealing to me in one of the days that I took it was like when we take the body, I think of his body body. And it occurred to me that there is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They are a body. And when he was on the cross and the father looked away, that was the first time that that body was broken. And the depth of the pain of having the father look away from him because of the sin that he was carrying for just a hot second. I can't imagine what that's like. I can't imagine like Father God turning his face from me for even just a split second because I could, it would it'd be just too much. Imagine being with him for all of eternity and being so accustomed to it and having that occur. And he sacrificed that for us. And it's like, what in the world? It totally penetrates because I'm so relationship driven that that's, it's a big, big deal for me. So let's get into the questions for this weekly topic. Tell us about your work. What do you do? 
Alrighty. Well, 75% of my paid energy is I'm the lead project manager for Bloom Growth, which is a meeting software company. It's a SaaS platform. And 25% of it, I support one of the owners of Bloom Growth, Todd Smart with Smart Partners. I'm his integrator and handle all his personal business stuff. Also the FEM, uh, which stands for Female Integrator Mastermind, the uh, on the leadership team as the event leader. So I host a big event for 150 gals that are uh, COOs or presidents of companies in Omaha. And once a year we do that, uh, this year it's in Omaha. And then I picked up a little side hustle for uh, the Visionary Forum, doing an in-person event two times a year with a group of 35 CEOs. And that's been a lot of fun. It's helping me uh, pay for the painting the inside of my house. <laughs> Busy woman. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you do in your free time too. My free time, I um, do a lot of coaching and mentoring and walking. <laughs> Praying, of course, uh, which sounds a bit cliche, but it's um, something that's important to me, just being with Jesus, um, the executive for my aunt's estate. So free time looks like uh, working on a, a lot of estate stuff, getting that all wrapped up. That's been quite the undertaking. <laughs> and do you work with a bunch of young adults? I do. I work with a lot of young adults and I have for a long time. It's been about 15 years. Most people have the mentality that work is just something that you do. But what does God say about your work? In everything we do, we honor him and um, we spend a major amount of our time waking hours uh, working and working different things. I mean, like our jobs, stay at home moms. I don't think their job ever stops. Yeah. <laughs> and I have such huge respect for for them. Uh, every walk of life, we're always doing something that resembles working it occurs. And when we love him. Um, it's really hard to leave him out of the conversation. So when you go to work or like when you're at work or whatever you're doing, like if you, if the way where anyway, the way it occurs for me is he's going to end up in the conversation because he's like my dude. (laughs) Um, So it's pretty hard not to talk about somebody you, um, that you love and you think about a whole lot. Yeah. And I think he looks at the workplace as, as a holy work. Yeah. Like it's kingdom work. It's not just something that you do. And so it's important to look at it from that aspect where you're saying, okay, I'm not doing this for myself. I'm doing it for him. So why is it so important to stay in relationships in the workplace? Mm. We're all on a journey and through checking in with each other, it helps us feel known and seen. So I work 100% remote and it can feel kind of sometimes really lonely if you're not being super intentional about it. So and part of it is being sure to just openly share how you are doing because um, in doing so, it creates empathy between people. Like I, you can make a lot of assumptions around, um, oh, this person has probably got it all together. And in fact, they're completely falling apart and asking a couple of really pointed, open-ended questions, opens up opportunities to be connected. Uh, The cost and impact of not doing so can create isolation and loneliness. And really it's, that's where the father of lies playground exists for mental issues is when you're isolated and you're, and you're lonely, boy, those lies can come piling in. So it's so important to stay connected on all the aspects of our life. 
I have English. It works. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so we do live in a world where remote and hybrid is becoming more and more common. How do you stay connected in the workplace while working remote? How do you avoid that loneliness? Yeah. Well, again, when you're meeting via Zoom, um, asking questions um, on how how coworkers are doing is really important. Also in Zoom, the way that you have your camera positioned is mega super important of ensuring that you have your camera situated and the people in the camera situated in such a way that you can look right straight into the camera to make eye connection and ensure like I have glasses. So I ensure that there's no glare in my glasses so people can see my eyes because you can read a lot on a person's eyes and it creates a deep connection, even though I work with people all over the globe and we can still super connect in that way. And so when we're meeting, I'll, I'll ask them remembering something about the last conversation and following up with that or asking an interesting question such that the next time that I'm connecting, I can follow up and say, Hey, how is that thing? (laughs) How are you doing? And it really helps people know that they're known and again, known that they're seen. We live in a fast paced, nonstop society and the marketplace is absolutely no different in that. How do you prevent the burnout that comes with just trying to keep up? Well, one of the things I do, uh, like yesterday, I took a solitude day and it looks like I take the day off of work. I do it once a month and go spend time with Jesus and spend time thinking about my life and thinking about what I want, my goals, and making sure they're lining up with what God's goals and what his purpose is for my life and ultimately what my destiny destiny is in him. And also thinking on the business, and this is so different than working in the business, and that time away to really think about and strategize versus being always in the tactical is so, so important. And it's really where I get the most filled. Um, and with that, I like this year, I'm taking three weekends where I'm doing solitude retreat weekends. And I'll go to a little cabin in the woods with no cell phone coverage and just be with Jesus the whole weekend. Um, not interacting with any humans, just me and him hanging out. The most refreshing times. Then on a day, like the daily regular basis, of course, is I'm in my word, his word, not in mine, his word every, every day, um, nearly every day. I can't say every day. That wouldn't be totally accurate. And then taking communion to, to have that connection of being with him. So what I'm hearing you say is intentional rest. Oh, yes. If you're intentional with your rest, that burnout won't come. Or if it does come, it won't come near as fast. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, 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 uh, I've gotten to the point where I didn't do it. Um, I actually had skipped it for a few months and I was, I didn't like being around me. <laughs> I'm way more enjoyable to myself and others when I've taken that time. Well, and I think burnout's inevitable. I think it comes in seasons and it comes and goes. And I think that it doesn't like as long as you're intentional with that time away from work, you're able to refill your cup and you're able to rest and then come back. So how do you stay authentic while remaining professional? So many people think that you can either be one or the other. How do you do both? Oh, gosh, I don't know how you keep them separate. (laughs) Um, Authentic people can spot BS about a million miles away. 
like your age group, one of the main reasons I love your age group is you can, you can spot BS a million miles away and you'll call it. (laughs) And I love that. (laughs) It's one of the, one of the gajillions of reasons why I love getting the pleasure of hanging out with people that are your age. Authenticity attracts authenticity. If I'm going to be fully transparent and authentic, other people are going to be attracted to that, that also have a desire for that. People are hungering to know other people truly who they are versus what everybody wants to think that they are. To me, being authentic is is a requirement of being a human being. You can totally choose to be that, um, be fake in your job. People will see through it. You're the only person you're fooling yourself is fooling. You're fooling yourself in it. I mean, there's really not a such thing as a personal life and a professional life. It's just life. And so through our own flawed human existence um, and showing up as who we really are versus who we want other people to think we are, it really brings that authenticity into relationships such that I'm being vulnerable about what's going on in my life. And it opens up the possibility for you to be open and honest with me. If I'm if I'm hiding things, people are get pretty guarded and they're going to only share as much as you're willing to share. And so that's kind of how I approach that. <laughs> Some of the people in the workplace that have had the most impact on me are the most authentic people. They are willing to um, throw out the meeting that you're supposed to have. And it's just a, how are you doing? How are you actually doing? And I think that's so important in the workplace because people get so focused on the doing and not the being. Can you give us a few examples of ways Christians can demonstrate their faith in the workplace? Oh, heavens, yes. <laughs> so like um, we have Slack at work. And so we'll, somebody will share something in like the water cooler, for example, of, hey, my mom's got this thing coming up and like a heart surgery or, or something like that. If you could send out some good vibes or some good thoughts about it. And I'm and I'm like, forget all that. I'm going to pray for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I'm really open and straight about that. I'm not going to beat around the bush. Good vibes are great. Jesus a thousand times better. Yeah. <laughs> and so a couple of weeks ago, um, I shared with a coworker about my very, very short experience on dating apps. <laughs> and uh, and I posted straight up front that I love Jesus. And I'm telling my coworker this. Um, and and I was using it as a filter um uh to kind of filter out people that I'm not interested in guys, let's be more specific. (laughs) And, uh, and so I proceeded to share with my coworker, just a funny story around, around that whole thing. And was sharing with him why I also chose to be done for dating apps. And uh, I wasn't really trying to convert him or anything like that. Um, but it was my way of sharing, Hey, I love Jesus in a story Mm-hmm. And kind of adding a little bit of fun humor to it as well. And it created this great connection. And I got to share who I really actually am. And uh, and another one was um, I learned because um, there was one guy that I was um, connected to at work that I was kind of holding off because I knew he was agnostic and I wasn't really sharing much about Jesus. And uh, one of the one of uh, there's an office that I help support in Chicago and one of our office assistants was there and I, 
he, and I happened to find out this guy loves Jesus. And so I prayed for him to get a new job. Um, he, he was going to double his salary and he's like, Hey, could you pray for me? I'm like, yeah, of course. I'll be happy to pray for you. Well, long story short, he gets the job and ends up sharing with my coworker about it. And a couple of weeks later, he goes to me, he goes, all right, hey, listen here. <laughs> so I hear you pray for Keith. <laughs> and Keith got this job because you prayed for him. It occurs to me you're holding out on me. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, you know, you're praying for stuff like that and, and things are happening. He goes, I think you're playing too small. You need to pray for bigger things like, I don't know, peace in Ukraine. <laughs> I mean, God says, ask and you shall receive. Exactly. So it was really fun. Yeah, Jesus going, uh, I'm still going to show up here. <laughs> Sounds good. Those are awesome examples. So I know you and I have talked a lot about assumptions and what they can do. You have an exercise that you love. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Oh, yeah, you bet. So an assumptions exercise is 75% of the time, the assumptions that we hold are usually not in not accurate. Um, it could be an example of, I assume that my significant other, like in your case, um, that you're, that CJ is going to put away the dishes. You didn't have a conversation around it. It's in your head and you're like, yeah, he's going to do this. He's like, I have no idea you're going to ask me the, this is what you want. You assume it's wrong or you assume, and he's like, and it doesn't get done, but I'm not assuming that CJ wouldn't because he probably totally would if he knew about it. Um, but it open it, uh, validating those assumptions creates an opening. So it might go something like this in a conversation. Hey, I assume that you're going to pay this bill by this date. And the other person could say, yes, that is a valid assumption. I will do that. Or they could respond. I'm so sorry. I didn't know that that bill was out there and need to be paid. I'll take care of that right away. Versus me going, hey, are you going to pay that bill? And they're like, uh, you know, if they didn't know about it, what they're bill? on the defense and feeling like, what, what did I miss? And so it opens this possibility of having a conversation around it versus one person being wrong and the other person being right. No, I love that. Um, so Jesus calls us to a life of integrity. And this is something you're really passionate about in the workplace. Can you elaborate on how this can be done and done well? Yes. So there is a set of five questions um, that that I've learned. And we use this where I work at on a pretty regular basis of um, asking ourselves the following. The first one is, what do I know to do? The second one being, what am I saying I will do? Third one being, what do others expect me to do, even though I haven't said I would do it? Fourth one being, what do I have to do to make my work complete? And the fifth one, what do I have to do to do this as it was intended to be done? And by answering those five questions for integrity, it's between you and Jesus. Nobody else is going to ever know 
on if these things are occurring. There are people in your life that will know that if you communicate that of, hey, I said I was going to do it this way. I'm not going to half ass it. (laughs) I'm going to sort of I'm not going to sort of halfway do it. I intended to do this way and I'm going to do it completely all the way through. And that for me is what integrity really looks like personally. And it's what it looks like professionally if you're looking for a description of it. And I think if someone starts in the workplace with that exercise and doesn't do it in their personal life, naturally it will bleed into everything else that they're doing because the more you do something, the more likely you are to do it all the time. I love it. So as a leader in your organization, what advice do you have for others who want to be a more effective servant leader? So once you become a leader, success is all about improving others. And so this can happen through recognizing the contributions and the efforts and the accomplishments of your team and validating with your team, do they prefer that personally, privately, or do they prefer it to be communicated in a wider scope? Because I have people on my team that if I were to say something publicly, they'd be like, oh, that feels icky. They value it. If I said, hey, I want to acknowledge you because I saw this is the way you showed up and you handled this. And it was so awesome. Really great job. Congratulations. And there's others we have like, we have a Slack channel that's a kudos channel and we'll do team shout outs to, hey, this person did this and go into very specific detail as to what exactly they did. And it brings everybody else around going, yeah, I saw that in you too. And and so it's really cool like that. Um, Another thing in this is asking, how can I be a contribution to you? It's a different thing than asking, how can I help? And because helping kind of, you can almost, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but sometimes if somebody says, how can I help? I'm like, I don't know how you can help. But if somebody asks me, how can I contribute to you? They have something that I, that would be really helpful to me. And that, that feels so different. And so in that, in that question, it's like, Hey, do you have any blockers that's occurring um, that I can, that I can come alongside and help be a solve with you on it. So you can be the most productive version of yourself. And also the way that you're communicating as a leader is you're always owning your communication. So let's say I share something with you and it doesn't land and you take offense to it or all kinds of different things that can get, can happen in communication. It's on me to clean that up. It's on me to um, find a way to communicate such that it does land and then also saying, okay, so um, repeat back what you think I heard or I'm when I'm hearing something, this is what I heard. I like to validate this is accurate. And to me, that's what a really great leader will do is show up in that way because, again, it pulls all the assumption out of it. (laughs) When I think of leadership, I think of Jesus with his disciples. And I think that's like the most perfect person to look at for imitation because he had this small group of people, you know, say it's the team that you lead and he led them so well, you know, because if you look at it from like a business perspective, you know, we have Jesus who could be like a CEO and he led these like 12 people and those 12 people went out and led, you know, what we'll say 12 more each. And then it just kind of trickled down from there. So when you have a really great servant leader at the top, it just naturally flows into everyone else. 
You know, I, I, um, some people like to take the organization chart and flip it, that the servant leader is on the bottom and everybody else is above them, which I totally get. I get both directions on it, but I get the, the image that it brings is, I, here's what I know. I'm going to put you on my shoulders and propel you to go way further with what it is I know. And that's, that's what Jesus did. I mean, he's like, I learned this from the father. I'm passing it on to you. You pass it on to another. And there's a really great leadership book that I read not that long ago. It's called Leaders Eat Last. It talks exactly about that, where you, you kind of take the leftovers of everything else, but you do it in a way that empowers everyone else around you. And I think that's, that's so important. So what advice do you have for someone who might not like their job, but doesn't feel like God is calling them to leave yet? Bloom where you're planted. Learn absolutely everything you can um, while you're there. Um, you can learn from things that aren't necessarily positive. It can be a little bit negative. You can learn from the positive, awesome things as well. And check your motive for why you're staying. If you're, if fear is what's present for you, not saying you specifically. No, it's right. Um, if fear is present, um, check yourself um, and ask his perfect love to cast that fear out. So you can have an honest conversation with yourself and with him about it and ask him to bring the courage to make a transition when it's time to make a transition. Because it takes something to make that kind of a transition. Major amounts of trust. It's one of the major life things that you do. And in the whole thing is ensuring that you're loving well. You're departing a job is just as important as how you arrive and how you stay. And so... um yeah, that's my advice. <laughs> well, and I think it goes back to that life of integrity. Like you have to be, you have to have a lot of integrity through the whole process because if you don't leave well, you leave a mess. And everything that you did, whether it be like 30 months or 30 years at that company, doesn't matter because they only look at how you left. Yeah. And so it's so important that as you're having those conversations with God saying, God, do you want me here? Do you want me elsewhere? You're also maintaining that integrity. So good. <laughs> um, do you have any books, resources, Instagram accounts, you know, whatever that would be helpful related to relationships in the workplace? Everybody Always by Bob Goff. Hands down, of course. <laughs> Definitely a real, real book on it. Um, other things for relationships in the workplace, one of them that's really super key is radical candor. And that one is how you enter into relationships radically honest and vulnerable, but you're not stepping over yourself or you're stepping over others. And you're able to have these radical conversations with others such that everybody walks away feeling very empowered and loved and seen. So that one's a really awesome one as well. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to say before we close out? The whole idea of um, being with Jesus, uh, spending that time alone to cultivate that relationship alone with him. Others cannot do it for you. And there is a place of learning to simply be. Um, it's a lifelong pursuit for me of what that looks like. And, and it started with, I was going to meditate on be still and know I am God. And so I told God, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to start out with be still. And he goes... How about we start with B? Oh, <laughs> that's way harder. 
And um, I'm a thousand miles a minute most of the time. And that practice of being, I can still be in action and still be. Um, And it also speaks to how, how you and I are, we are completely present with each other devoid of distractions we're choosing to leave the cell phones on on you know on mute oh yeah my phone's on do not disturb like 90 percent of my life (laughs) yeah Yeah, it cultivates that that um the b in life of being with him being with others um because time's the best it's the most valuable asset that we possibly have to give and what making the best of that is really pretty important. And I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that it's okay to struggle in that being like, especially for us fast paced people, like slowing your brain down enough to just sit in the presence of the Lord is hard and that's okay. (laughs) It's okay to acknowledge the fact that it's hard. (laughs) One of the songs I have on repeat right now is um, Slow Down by Jonathan Ogden. He just creates wonderful music. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So at the end of every episode, we'd love to um, wrap it up with some rapid fire questions. Uh, They're fun. They're quirky. Uh, So what is your go to coffee order? Not exactly coffee, but um, a chai latte with coconut milk and cinnamon powder splash. Ooh. Uh, what is the last thing you watched on TV? Yeah, I don't actually watch TV, but uh, last thing I watched on Netflix was Manifest, the last season. Okay. I've heard a lot about that show. Yeah, I don't know. I... I uh, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I didn't like I got done. It was good to be done with it. But I also was like, I don't know how my heart feels about this. <laughs> OK, so I'm not going to lie. I've wanted to start it a few times, but I've really struggled with the word manifest. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm just like, I am just going to keep avoiding it for now. Well, Maybe yeah. one day. It means like the manifest of like a, a played roster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I just... Struggle yeah. with that word a little bit. Um, so if someone wrote a book about your life, what would the title be? Transformed. I love it. Do we have a subtitle? <laughs> no. <laughs> We're not that fancy. No, it's just straight that. <laughs> I love it. Um, so if our guests want to follow you on Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever, where can they find you? I am on LinkedIn and I'm also on Facebook and I have text and I actually answer my phone. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here. We've loved having you. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe, share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Our podcasts are edited by Nick Berkey. If you have a story you want to share, please reach out through the forum on Instagram. I pray that you can take action this week and make a splash. 